This is KCBX Central Coast Public Radio. I'm Father Ian Dellinger, and I'm playing with food. Hard candy. It's just sugar, water, and flavors, right? Yes, it is, but it takes some technique to turn it into what you want. Okay, fair enough. But what if you want words inside your candy? It's pretty simple, apparently. You make your letters out of softened candy, wrap it in more candy, put it into the debigulator, let it cool, and cut it. That's what the guy at Sticky and Pastor Robles told me. And just like Christina Aguilera describes... I'm Craig Montgomery, owner of Sticky in the United States, and I make lollies or uh, rock candy. We basically boil up sugar and water with glucose until it's cooked to a temperature of hard crack. We pour it out on our cooling table, and then we add the colors for whatever design we'll be making, separate our colors into sections, and from there we move over to a heated table where we sculpt the image or text in three dimensions frame that all up in white candy, wrap it up in a colorful casing, and then we extrude it down to small little bite-sized bits and then hand cut everything. Okay, that sounds really simple. So let's go back to the sugar and water glucose. Candy has to be a little bit more complicated than that, right? Slightly, not a whole lot more complicated as long as you have a good thermometer and you cook it to the right temperature. What we do is more artistic rather than actual like baking or cooking. We boil sugar and we get really creative with what we can sculpt on the inside. So it's more of the process, not necessarily the cooking. Once the candy gets cooked up to the correct temperature, we add the flavoring. What does the glucose do? It's essentially a sugar doctor. Sugar wants to be in a crystal state and once we introduce the glucose, which is basically a liquid sugar, it prohibits the candy from recrystallizing and it allows us to actually make these shapes and have it be like a piece of candy rather than a crumbly piece of sugar. We do have to source our glucose because the United States is a corn-based country. You can buy high fructose corn syrup wherever you want. Good luck finding glucose. So we actually have to import that from France. So the kettle's starting to boil now. Yeah. So now that it's boiling, we basically would add our doctor the glucose, which is just going to sit in here and cook for the next 30 plus minutes. This is an 11 kilo batch, 22 pounds of sugar, plus another six plus pounds of glucose. And we're hopefully going to pull out 22 plus pounds of this for a custom order. This is our last batch, hopefully, of 264 pounds that we need to make. Yeah, and that's just one design. There's two separate designs, both at 264 pounds. So it's a 500 pound order. You can see the temperature is probably starting to drop because the glucose was at room temperature where the pot of boiling sugar was just over 100 degrees Celsius, which is the boiling point. Picked up essentially a big stainless steel container filled with glucose and I just gently set it in the boiling water with my bare hands that have been washed. Glucose is very, it's essentially like honey. The colder it is, the harder it is to get out. The warmer it is, the more it'll pour out like liquid. Um, and by adding the whole container in there, I'm using the heat of the sugar to essentially melt out all of that. Because if we get the ratios wrong, it can make a batch too soft or turn hard too quickly. So we do have to have kind of our measurements somewhat precise, 
but we don't need to be like down to the ounce or the gram. And then now this essentially is starting to boil more. The glucose is running off of the edges of the pot. In a few minutes, I'll pick this up and let it kind of drain out into it so that we get all of that glucose out of the essential bowl and into our pot of cooking sugar. There's a coating around just from the sugar starting to doctor itself onto the bucket, but we'll try and get as much of that off as possible. Drop it in this bucket of water and water cleans up sugar really nice because it just dissolves. Question about the candy making process. You've got a temperature that you're boiling it to and that temperature is dictated by the ratio of sugar and water and heat, right? Mm -hmm. If the ratio was not what you wanted it to be, it wouldn't be the right temperature. But when you pour it out there onto this big stainless steel table, do fluctuations in temperature and humidity cause issues when you're trying to work with the candy? Humidity, yes. Temperature, a little bit. If it's really cold in the mornings, sometimes the candy will get cold faster than we want it to. We do have a little microwave in the back that we can heat it up when needed. But humidity is the major foe because humidity makes candy sticky. Once we extrude it and we're rolling it on the table, if it's super humid, it can start to stick to each other. And then it kind of makes not so beautiful candy. It'll make everything really shiny, but it won't last as long. So we've worked really hard to temperature control this building and we have dehumidifiers going to try and keep humidity below 50%. It'll be interesting if it rains this afternoon. You're listening to KCBX Public Radio for the Central Coast. I'm Father Ian watching sugar water boil, hoping to watch it be made into small pieces of candy with letters in the middle. We watch the pot of sugar water boil and come to temperature. Craig's brother joined him for the next part. They meticulously set the stage for me to video them pouring 22 pounds of hot sugar water onto the cooling table, and I pressed the wrong button on my phone camera. So we moved on to the next stage before it was too late. So here we have the beginning of rock candy, or what we call lollies, hot sugar glucose. So for this we're going to make six letters, so I need to eyeball uh, essentially how much volume or space of this candy will be needed to sculpt the six letters without having too much waste. Because if I say this blue square got really, really big, and I only use this portion of it, I'd have to throw the rest of it away. And then we'd have less weight produced from candy. Uh, everything we do is by weight, not by piece, because it's hand cut. No two pieces are really alike. We pretty much make snowflakes every day. I didn't understand that at all. So, <laughs> because, <laughs> so you're mixing this color in just in a little corner of this big rectangle of hot sugar water. Exactly. And the color is to make the letters. We're going to have blue letters for this candy. We're going to have a green casing, which is the outside that goes around the candy. Okay. And then all of this amber candy, we're going to add the white to, and that's all going to be our negative space. Okay. Basically, there's a specific amount of volume of candy that you need for each element of the candy. So the casing essentially is one third of the candy. So this is going to be slightly less than one-third because there are pinstripes. And then six letters is about that much volume. I want to have a little bit extra in case I mess up a letter. You can't really erase candy. Mm -hmm. All the rest is kind of the negative space of the candy. And now he's cutting off the section that we need for the casing of the candy or the outside. So you can see where it's been on the table. It does have that crust. 
where it hasn't it still is liquid and now we're going to be essentially mixing the hot and cool parts together and cooling it down until it's the consistency of everybody's favorite childhood toy play-doh so it is fun because we get to play with your food every day we're going to split this and both of us are going to stretch that way we both stay in shape and get our little workout in for the morning we're satinizing the candy so we're pulling the sugar into long strands and we're introducing oxygen into the candy which will make this portion of the candy crumbly and brittle. It's more of a unique mouthfeel and texture as opposed to just your standard Jolly Rancher. If you were to make a tube of our candy, you can actually breathe through the center of it because we have satinized the candy. It's basically like beating an egg white. So you can see it's starting to kind of change color from that less attractive amber yellow to a more nice, vibrant, brilliant looking white. See almost like hair strands of sugar start to kind of form. Why didn't you pull the blue or the green? It would change the color of the blue or the green and also the consistency of the candy. It makes it kind of glossy as opposed to more matte finished. And then now we're working on a heated table which will keep our candy warm and malleable. This is the really hot portion of the job because you are standing over, it's a modified barbecue. So we've got heater coils on the inside. I think the surface of this table is about 140 degrees. You've got the blue, so you're gonna make the letters. So this is the part I just genuinely don't understand. So I'm glad I'm here to watch you. It's okay, this happens a lot where people watch us and they still don't understand. All I'm doing is I'm making a three-dimensional S. So you have to think of an S on a piece of paper and then think about what it would be in three dimensions. Yes, but you're making it like one and a half millimeters tall. Well, we put it in the debigulator to make it small. We'll get there. Okay. So right now I have a rectangular block of blue. I'm adding a strip of white to the blue, which is going to be the negative space of the swoop of the S. Okay. And I'm going to add the bottom portion of the S. I can kind of see it. I can definitely see that's an S. And so then we stretch this down until it's about an inch cube by say maybe 14 inches in length. But it's still an inch tall and not a one and a half millimeters tall. Exactly. We haven't debigged it yet. Okay. We gotta make everything and then shrink it down. Okay. And the main thing with letters is getting the thickness of the candy consistent with each letter. Each letter obviously requires a different amount of volume. So you may see as I, as I make these the heights of the blue section starts to change, but usually the width is always the same. Okay. And I'm actually using the tips of my fingers to gauge the thickness of this piece of candy so that all the letters do end up looking consistent. Okay. And he's adding more white to your S. Yeah, so I'm making the letters and Steven's actually turning the letters into a word. And if we were to just make an O and put it right next to the S, the O and the S would become touching, and so there would be no defining element in the candy to separate the two letters. Okay. So between each letter that we make, we need to have a thin piece of white candy, or we call them spacer, next to the colored bits of candy to separate that so that it actually does look like text. Okay. And so that's an O. Okay, that was pretty easy. That's it. Yeah, O is essentially, it's a pipe. Yep. The tube of blue with white in the middle. Tube of blue with white in the middle, yeah. All right, last S. 
So you've got the letters all put together. Yes. And now you're taking what's left over and making two big loaves of sugar. Yeah. So right now I'm making two domes to kind of sit on top of and below so that our text is centered inside of our round candy. Okay. So now we're going to take our letters, begin to make everything round. Okay. This is still very large size. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. This is huge compared to what's in the package. Still waiting for this debigulator. Oh yeah. It lives under the table. Okay. Yeah. So you took that long green and white strip, two thick green, two thin white. You stretched it out and you cut it into three. Uh-huh. It's the easiest way to make six. Okay. Make two, cut it in thirds, a little bit of math. You're listening to KCBX Public Radio for the Central Coast. I'm Father Ian, watching hard candy with letters in the middle of it be made. This hard candy is sold at the size of a marble. This particular batch has a five-letter word in the middle of it, each letter about a millimeter tall. But right now, the letters are being put together with colored candy at about an inch and a half tall. If you're having trouble following the commentary because you think it's a more visual process, don't worry. I was standing right there watching the whole process, and I still didn't understand. I'm still waiting for this candy to go into the debigulator, and still very incredulous that what eventually becomes a tube of candy that is six inches in diameter will become bite-sized pieces with legible letters in the middle. Craig just made the last part of the candy, the coating, which is a blanket of green and white pinstriped candy that he rolls around the letters and spacers. Think rolling puff pastry around your filet mignon to make beef wellington, but the filet is an assemblage of three-dimensional letters and white candy spacing. And the three-dimensional letters with the white candy spacing kind of look like the cylinder of cinnamon rolls before you cut them. Look at that. Perfect fit. It's still It's still big. really, really big, yes. And I'm not going to make it small all at once. Okay. It is a process. So we're going to extrude or spin this candy down to its small little bite-sized piece because obviously this couldn't fit in your mouth. No. This is probably, what, six inches or more? In diameter. In diameter, yeah. There you go. Okay, are you ready? I'm going to make it small right now. And just like that, it is that bite size. Wow! So you just keep rolling it and pulling it until you're done. We're rolling it to keep it round because as you can see, it's still hot over there. So as it's sitting while I extrude out the portion that I want to make small, it's creating a flat spot on that candy. And we like round candy because lollies are round. I have to come back and kind of remake this round again so you can see that big massive flat spot. And then same reason that he rolls constantly all those pieces because they're still hot and if we just let them sit they'd all have a flat spot and or the text in the middle would start to fold and it just wouldn't look nice. How does the extruding not squish the letters? Like how does it keep its structural integrity? Sugar's cool like that. It's kind of very similar to glass, only a lot more edible, where what all we're doing is deconstructing and reconstructing one piece of sugar, and so everything wants to shrink proportionally. So sometimes when we're messing around, we can do like little mini, mini ones, like the tip of a pin, and you can still see the text. So we can make this as small or as large as... We try and shoot for that dime 
more like penny to nickel size. Because it's about mouthfeel. It's it's food. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You, and also, a lot. Some companies go really big. I figure if, if you want a piece of candy, you should be able to enjoy it and continue conversing with somebody relatively quickly, rather than oh, 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 for the next few minutes while you're eating it. And it just breaks right off. And it just breaks, yeah. With a little ting of a spatula. Yeah, he makes it look easier than it really is. It's almost like a, how you would crack a whip. Yeah, this turned out really nice. So the extruding is done by hand. He is stroking and pulling the long, thick rope of candy like polishing a table leg, but horizontally. And as he pulls on the rope of candy, as he extrudes it, everything shrinks proportionally, including the inch and a half high letters, which then become one millimeter high, as a six inch diameter rope of candy became the diameter of a dime. That's the debigulator at work. And the ting sound that you hear is Steven cutting it into about 18 inch lengths by hitting it with a metal spatula before it eventually gets cut into bite-sized pieces. The rest of the process was to take the 18 inch sticks and cut them into bite-sized pieces. It's that same process. They each take three or four sticks in one hand and the spatula in the other and tap, tap, tap like you hear in the background. Once it's all cut, it gets bagged and shipped. Turning sugar into candy is all very simple, yet very complex. Chemistry, math, and physics are all required. Craig told me that candy making is learn by doing, and he's been doing it now for quite some time. Why did you choose Paso Robles and Tin City? Paso's my hometown, born and raised here, family still lives here. I was kind of always drawn to the artisanal aspect of what Tin City was and is. I fought like tooth and nail to get in here. It's really difficult because it's a very popular place for small businesses. And I was able to get this tiny back little corner that's very hidden and it kind of works perfectly with what I'm working to create, which is this unique experience. It's not necessarily just candy. I want it to be an experience for people to come in, watch the candy being made, get to know myself and my brother that make the candy and really feel passionate about what we do and kind of see that we're passionate about creating these fun little designs as well as delicious tasting candy. I think it's working because people are talking about it. So if you want to come in and watch candy, just make an appointment and we can have a pot ready to go. You can watch the whole process from start to finish. Yeah. It's been a ride. Originally, before I took this job, I was doing app development and I had a buddy say, hey, there's this job opportunity to manage a shop in Hollywood, but you have to go to Australia for six weeks to learn how to make candy. And I said, that sounds like a cool story. And that was 12 years ago. So, yeah, and I've gone from being an employee to now owning the United States. So it's been quite a journey and a fun ride. It was such a sweet time to be with these candy men. Who knew that there was such a thing as handmade artisanal candy? The next time you boil some sugar water, dare to dream big and make sure to get a debigulator. This is KCBX Public Radio for the Central Coast. I'm Father Ian, and I'm playing with food.